folks. Welcome back to Dumb Act, and this is Chris once again. Hello, folks, and welcome back to Chris Wine Africa here on the Indaba Broadcasting Network. Today is the 26th of May, and the days just keep clipping on by. Welcome to Indaba Africa News of the Day. Let's get straight to the headlines. Short news program today, as I just finished a previous interview with Kendall Qualls from Minnesota talking about issues here in the United States. Today's news headlines for the 26th of May, 2021. South Africa's Transport Minister, Fikele Mabulula, his budget has been rejected. New gun laws will reduce crime, or so says South Africa Police Minister Beckett Chile. Digital vibes. Not such a harmonious feeling, is it? Hmm. And South Africa plans to create a cryptocurrency for a country. South Africa's very own cryptocurrency. Ace Magashule is still in trouble with the African National Congress. This festering situation with the former Secretary General of the African National Congress remains front and center for the ANC. And it's time to begin to value forest in Africa. According to the Africa Report, a subsidiary of Jeune Afrique, Namibia intends actually to go forward with its effort to decriminalize homosexuality in the Southern African nation a law that's been in place since 1927. They're looking to scrap. Former Windhoek mayor, Matthias Christoph Shikongo, was buried with current president, King Gap, in attendance. And the United States leads the G20 nations in jabs. In this pandemic, they are ahead of everyone by leaps and bounds. Actual numbers, percentage of population, it's astounding. But this comes amid calls of vaccine nationalism. And Amazon has, in fact, bought MGM Studios, the home of James Bond, 007. $8.45 billion for the deal. MGM Studios now falls under Amazon, Jeff Bezos' ever-increasing empire. And the woke John Cena has apologized to the Chinese Communist Party for mistakenly calling Taiwan a country. What an unforgivable sin. Those are the headlines today, folks, in an abbreviated news program. Let me get to the in-depth news and analysis now. First, out of the gate, let's talk about South Africa's transport minister, Fikere Mbalula. His budget was shot down, includes body cameras and more secure driver's license card. Hmm, interesting ideas. Transport minister Fikele Mbalula used his transport budget speech on the 21st of May to highlight some of the challenges faced by his department and resolutions to pave a way forward. Along with increasing the work hours of traffic officers, one of these ways was the intention to use body cameras as a new standard to reinforce traffic policing. Use of body cameras will go a long way in gathering evidence and the interaction between officers and motorists to undoubtedly improve the conviction rate of motorists who break the law and deal a death knell to corruption. Hmm, really? The Automobile Association says increasing working hours of traffic law enforcers and introducing body cameras for them will wear to where will alone not solve road safety crisis. Well, absolutely correct there, the Automobile Association. Much, much more needs to be done, and the blueprint for better traffic law enforcement is on the table. We have to question why it has not received more attention by the Department of Transport or the minister. We currently have a situation where government is introducing new laws or many existing laws, believing legislation will somehow improve the country's road safety crisis. Agreed. Actually, what needs to be done is education, training, and actual enforcement, as well as prosecution of those who commit offenses by the Ministry of Injustice in South Africa. I'm sorry, Ministry of Justice. Let me correct that. Yes. 
Speaking of justice and injustice, South Africa's police minister, Becca Chile, says that new gun laws intended to strip law-abiding South Africans of their firearms, their sole line of defense against a gangster state that is South Africa, will somehow reduce crime. <laughs> Are you laughing? It's not a laughing matter. You're laughing at the sheer audacity and cheek of the, of the police minister. Of course, we know who he is. He's exposed himself back on the 20th of October, sitting in court in Senegal at the hearing for the those accused of murdering young Brendan Horner, he sits next to Julius Malema, a person with no interest in the case whatsoever other than cause trouble, who traveled to Senegal with his hordes and their Kentucky fried chicken, streetwise three-piece meals and t-shirts, destroying the city center, breaking apart rubbish bins, leaving the refuse everywhere, and threatening a race war. Mm. Bakachile exposed once again. But he says it will reduce crime. Let's see what Beckett Chile has to say. Police Minister Beckett Chile has expressed satisfaction at the thousands of submissions already made to the Firearms Control Amendment Bill of 2021. Since the bill was published in the Gazette for comments on the 21st of May, it's gotten over 17,000 written submissions. The number is growing by the day, the ministry said in a statement. The interest and vast number of comments received so far indicates that South Africans are making their voices heard in this matter. We urge the public continue with this momentum. All comments will be scrutinized and those considered useful will be incorporated to strengthen the provisions of the bill. Of course, those useful to the ANC will be those that suggest that South Africans have no right to keep and bear arms and that their safety is the responsibility of the South African Police Service. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry, I, I can't help but laugh. That, that's, that's a comical matter to, to make. I say that with a straight face. The safety of South Africans is in the hands of saps. Oh, dear God, we are in trouble. And we have been in trouble for the better part of the last 15 years as the SAPs have been underfunded, under-resourced, under-trained, and are full of plenty of corrupt officials. And even if they're not corrupt, no one's processing DNA, no one's processing forensic information, no one can get a handle on this. And the Ministry of Justice doesn't prosecute these criminals by and large. It is a sad state of affairs. Digital Vibes, not the latest Hollywood recording studio, not a Motown record label, Digital Vibes. That's the latest scandal involving yet another minister in the Angry Naughty Children Party, the African National Congress that runs South Africa. Who are we talking about this time? <laughs> now we're talking about the health minister embroiled in a corruption scandal. Folks, I could just do every day, today's corruption story of the day for South Africa. That would be a news program in and of itself. Could do that all day long, every day. But I don't have the energy to report the vastness of the corruption taking place in South Africa. No accountability, just obscene vibes. Pleading this for time and space, which the Department of Health did this week, as allegations of gross financial misconduct were ventilated against Minister Zile Mkizi and his handful of family and friends is a bit like being caught robbing a bank, then asking the cops to hold off while the getaway driver brings the car around. <laughs> well stated, this financial mail op-ed. Wow. The department's statement was both plaintive and risible. We wish to plead with the media and members of the public that the department will give more time. It would not at all serve much of a purpose if allegations that are under investigation are responded to publicly and not through an already established formal investigative process that will lead to proper legal recourse action being taken. Yeah, that's about as believable as nothing. Digital Vibes, a company controlled by Mkisi's family, friend Tahera Mather and his former personal assistant Nahira Mita, was paid 150 million rand for communication services between 2019 and 21, first for the National Health Insurance Scheme and then for the pandemic. However, that's only part of this. 40 million went to pay legitimate expenses like salaries, awareness adverts, design, maintenance work on the department's 
pandemic website. Legitimate is not by any stretch of imagination what you call the astonishing $3.65 million that Digital Vibes was paid for organizing his appearance on SABC Bulletin in December 2020 to announce the second wave. This is insane. But it is South Africa under the angry, naughty children. Disgrace, disgrace, disgrace. You have tarnished the liberation struggle. Shame on you, ANC. But no fear, South Africans. Your government intends to introduce a cryptocurrency, at least according to the Daily Maverick. Let's delve into this story. Led by countries as large as China, as small as the Bahamas, central banks are warming to the idea of introducing digital currencies to affect faster, easier, and cheaper transactions. The South African Reserve Bank is the latest to get in on the act, announcing on Tuesday that it has embarked on a study to investigate the feasibility, desirability, and appropriateness of a central bank digital currency as electronic legal tender for general purpose retail use complementary to cash. Ooh, there is no danger of any corruption here, ladies and gentlemen. None whatsoever, as the South African Central Bank will create a currency which they can easily manipulate and take advantage of. Mm, yeah, okay. Countries getting involved in digital currency to make it easier. What, what's easier? Just have contactless credit cards. They're simple, fast, efficient, and the private sector runs it. And it deals in existing currency. Why do you need a cryptocurrency unless you intend to fleece or to launder your ill-gotten gains? I think that's a fair question. But South Africa is looking into the possibility of a South African digital cryptocurrency. Good luck, South Africa. Businesses across South Africa have been crushed by feckless response by the National Coronavirus Command Council and unconstitutionally shutting down South Africa's economy. And they have been falling like trees in the forest in a windstorm. Statistics South Africa has published its latest report on liquidations and insolvencies with the data showing a steep annual increase in liquidations across the country. Well, that wasn't hard to predict. Liquidation refers to the winding up of affairs of a company. Yeah, yeah, you close a company down. That's what liquidation is. Total number of liquidations is 158 in April 2021 alone. There were none in April of 2020. There are no liquidations reported by companies in the Electoral Property Commission in April 2020 due to the lockdown. Ah, that's why there were none. However, the data shows an increase of 79% was recorded for the three months ended April 2021 compared to three months April 2020. Of all sectors, financing, insurance, real estate, and business services, trade, catering, and accommodation community services were hit the hardest. Financing, real estate, real and business services, 42 liquidations. Trade, catering, and accommodation, 42. Not a surprise there is no tourist and community services, 11. South Africa's economy is cratering as we speak, yet the South African government continues to express confidence and says that the market is strong. Yeah. That alternate reality they live in is not helping South Africans, not in the least bit, ladies and gentlemen. Well, speaking of corrupt politicians, or at least those accused of corruption, let's turn our attention now to one Ace Magashule, former premier of the Free State and Secretary General of the African National Congress, suspended on the 3rd of May by the National Working Committee and had the cheek to issue a letter of suspension to sitting President Cyril Ramaphosa on the same day. Ace has been threatened with expulsion from the party, but the cowardly, callow, weak-willed Lutuli House has thus far not kicked him out of the party. Why? He violated your rules time and again. He showed nothing but arrogance and cheek to your party. Private citizens have no recourse to get rid of Ace Magashule. He was not a member of public employment, but working for your party. So do the right thing, ANC, and kick him out. Let the chips fall where they may. The penultimate humiliation of Ace Magashule. Oh, that's a good photograph from there with his big mouth open. While the currents of the ANC can ebb and flow swiftly, there have been movements within 
when the turn of the tide is impossible to stop. And so it may be with the current gush of events surrounding the party suspended Secretary General Ace Magashule. The latest decisions by the ANC's National Working Committee appear to show suspended Secretary General Magashule going down a one-way street from which there is no return. And it's largely his own actions that have got him there. No, it's entirely his own actions. On Tuesday, ANC Deputy Secretary General Jesse Dutardi announced a statement on behalf of the National Working Committee. In the statement, they said they asked for a national presenter sort of prosecutor for the party, to investigate the conduct of Magashule, Tony Yangani, ooh, and Carl Niehaus while they were supporting the former president, Jacob Zuma, last week. There you go. He just takes another stupid step down a blind alley. They also appointed a task team to head the ANC in the free state, and that appointment alone may be the death knell for Magashule and his corrupt ways, or his alleged corrupt ways. The departure of Ace Magashule, is it imminent? Not in the Calo ANC, it should be. The Africa report suggests that Africa ought to begin to reevaluating its forests before they're all gone. Seems like a reasonable point. Unless we assign real economic value to our forests, we are lost. Gabon has been clim- climatically and politically one of the most stable places in Africa. This is great part explains exceptional biodiversity of the country, which has retained much of its cover of lush tropical forest over the Pleistocene era, era. That's a long time ago, 2.5 million years ago. When other parts of Congo Basin transitioned to savanna as the climate became drier during the 20 ice ages our country experienced during this period. Gabon is surrounded by countries that are extremely susceptible to the ravages of climate change and result in conflict and political unrest. In the same way, a 500-year phase of climate stress that occurred in Central Africa about 2,500 years ago drove the Bantu people of Cameroon and Gabon to walk to South Africa. Gabon could face a massive influx of climate refugees in the coming decades. Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought that the Bantu people were always in South Africa. Isn't that what Julius Malema professes? The ANC, that the Bantu were there, that only Europeans colonized Southern Africa, not the Bantu people? But this article by an African publication claims that the Bantu people had to flee Cameroon and Gabon because of the changing climate and went all the way down the Rift Valley to South Africa. <gasps> Fake news. No, actual the truth, ladies and gentlemen. Factual information there. That is what happened. That's how the Bantu peoples came to populate East and Southern Africa, arriving in the Fish River area only a few hundred years before Europeans arrived in the Western Cape on permanent basis, displacing the Khoisan peoples of the region. Namibia's Justice Minister, Ivan Dalsab, has announced that scrapping the criminal prohibition on same-sex intimacy is among 31 laws for repeal. Dalsab has said the repeal could be done by the end of the year. Sodomy is not directly addressed in Namibian law, but between men, it is considered an offense under Namibia's colonial-era Roman-Dutch common law. It's also referred under Namibia's Criminal Procedure Act of 2004 as an offense for which an officer is allowed to make an arrest without a warrant. Arrests on a charge of sodomy are rare in Namibia. Nonetheless, there's an effort to decriminalize homosexuality in Namibia, and they want to strike down 31 laws. No doubt those laws are from the colonial era. Probably some of them need to go, if not all of them. The former mayor of Vintok, Matthias Christoph Shikongo, according to President Kingab, was a principal and visionary man whose contributions to the city of Vintok are still visible and palatable. He was buried after passing away. In the race to give the jab to as many people as possible in the midst of the pandemic, it appears the United States is way out in front. Shocker. And why is this? Because President Donald Trump's Operation Warp Speed made it possible to develop vaccines and get them out. The Trump administration had already administered several million doses of vaccines before Trump unceremoniously left office on the 20th of January, 2021. And the... The administration of Manchurian Cadaver has continued a program, albeit with challenges, but nonetheless has increased the numbers dramatically and have now gotten many, many Americans vaccinated. 
with the gem. G20 nations, so the US um, has 50% of its population now fully vaccinated. Today, the country announced that it is fully vaccinated half its population, the first large country to do so. Only Israel, with just over 9 million people, Seychelles with 100,000, San Marino with 33,000 can boast a higher percentage. Well, it's a lot easier to do 33,000 than it is 330 million. The United States, 50% of its population is fully vaccinated. The UK, just 34%, but the UK has the audacity to put us on a red list telling us we can't travel to their country when they've got 66% of their population not vaccinated. Far fewer people numerically and percentage-wise of the population, yet they have the audacity to say we can't travel to the UK. Foot sec, Boris Johnson, and you fascist. A country where it's a criminal offense to demonstrate. Can you imagine such a thing? A country that brought us the traditions of the modern legal system, starting with the Magna Carta in 1215. Unbelievable. Restricting the rights of sovereigns and giving it back to the people. 50% of the United States now vaccinated, according to reports from the U.S., the largest country in the world with such a high number. Only small countries beyond the United States, such as Israel, San Marino, and the Seychelles have a higher percentage. Numbers, sheer numbers, no one comes even remotely close to the United States. China only has 5% of its population vaccinated. 5%. UK comes second at 34% of their population. Italy third, 18. Turkey, 15. France, 15. Germany, the arrogant Germans who won't let Brits come there without quarantining for two weeks at your expense, only has 14% of its population vaccinated. Hmm. Methinks people living in glass houses do protest too much. Mexico with 9%, Brazil, Russia, Saudi Arabia 5, EU 5, across the board of the European Union, including Germany and France. China at 5%, Argentina, South Korea, Indonesia, Canada with just 4%. Canada, which requires people to, vac to quarantine for two weeks at their expense. Canada has only vaccinated 4% of its population. Australia, just 2%. And South Africa, just 1% of its population have been vaccinated. Now, these are countries that ban countries like the United States, which has a higher percentage of people vaccinated and larger sheer numbers of people who've been ill previously and now have immunity against it. So the numbers are well north of 50% at this stage and we can't travel to their countries. <laughs> Meanwhile, ladies and gentlemen, Shaken and not stirred finds its way to the Amazon portfolio. Coming soon to you, MGM products on Amazon Prime for a fee or for free. We shall see as Jeff Bezos sucks up more of the economy, purchasing the fabled MGM Metro Golden Mare Studios for $8.45 billion. You'll now find James Bond sitting in Amazon Prime. Amazon is investing even more heavily in its growing position in the entertainment world. The company announced Wednesday it made a deal to acquire MGM, the home of James Bond, one of the most iconic movie studios in Hollywood. The deal, which is valued $8.45 billion, gives Amazon an extensive library of film and TV shows that it can use to fill out its prime video content coffers. MGM has a catalog of more than 4,000 films and 17,000 television shows. The real financial value behind this deal is a treasure trove of intellectual property of the deep catalog that we plan to reimagine and develop together with MGM's talented team. It's very exciting and provides so many opportunities for high-quality storytelling. The other two companies said that the competition of the deal, the completion of the deal is subject to regulatory approvals and other customary closing conditions. Although MGM's logo of a roaring lion is played in front of some of Hollywood's most beloved films, including The Wizard of Oz, it doesn't have the deep franchise bench that other studios have. So why would Amazon want MGM? Three words, Bond, James Bond. They own a piece of the spy franchise, and that's why they wanted to go for it. The hefty price tag for the acquisition nothing of significant consequence for Amazon, one of the world's wealthiest companies. Amazon, which paid nearly $14 billion for Whole Foods in 2017, has a market cap of $1.7 
trillion dollars, which alone would make it one of the top 10 economies in the world, Amazon. Ultimately, the deal gives Amazon more content, a respected studio in Hollywood, and a stylish super spy. It can only help it further cement its rule of the digital world. Amazon, you imagine 20 years ago, 23 years ago, I was 25 years ago, whenever they came out, I was just buying books from them. Happy to get books at a good price without sales tax. In California, giant mastodons and giant camels have been discovered. Giant camels and more treasures discovered in fossilized California forest. This article from Isaac Schultz on Gizmondo. First, the trees came out of the ground. A few weeks later, the bones emerged. Bit by bit over the past year, a team of paleontologists and geologists, among others, have uncovered the fossilized remains of Miocene forest, forest from its gompotheres and mastodons to the trees themselves. A park ranger, Greg Franchick, stumbled upon the site last summer. It lies east of San Francisco, near what is today the Mokalumene River. I was on patrol out in the watershed, and I happened upon a petrified tree, Franchick said. After finding dozens of trees, I began to realize that what I was looking at was a petrified remains of a forest. Further excavations over the following weeks yielded bones, and a stratigraphic autopsy was commenced. A full array of animals found at site is staggering. Rocks on the site from the Miocene, an epoch relatively recent in deep time, 23 million to 5 million years ago, featured animals fairly similar to many found today. The Miocene forest boasted horse ancestors, cousins of modern rhinos, gompotheres, like elephants and with twice as many tusks, enormous 400-pound salmon, whoa, now that's a meal, a 400-pound salmon progenitor, and giraffe-sized camels, among other creatures. Mammalian megafauna were thriving, and the fortuitous finds at Moklelumne reveal a great swath of that biodiversity. There you have it, folks. Strikingly interesting times in paleontology out there in California, just east of San Francisco. And John Cena is become woke, making a very heartfelt apology to the Chinese Communist Party for the great sin of identifying the legitimate government of China as not a country. Of course, we all know that the Chinese Kuomintang fled from mainland China to the island of Formosa, founding Taiwan decades ago. The Chinese Communists were not recognized the legitimate government of China until decades later. And today, we find Fast and Furious star John Cena apologizing for his Crime. Fast and Furious star nine star John Cena made a U-turn Tuesday apologizing to Chinese fans after he called Taiwan a country and sparked outrage in the world's largest movie market. <laughs> Beijing sees democratic self-ruled Taiwan as part of its territory, which is to be seized one day by force if necessary, and rages at any diplomatic attempts to recognize the islands as an independent nation. But American wrestling star turned actor Cena left his diplomatic lane during a trip to Taiwan in early May to promote the franchise of action movies about fast cars, making the country comment during a fan meet. On Tuesday, as outrage billowed across China's social media, he released an apology on the Weibo platform in the controversial level, Mandarin. Excuse me, Mandarin. You 所有人为我如果我可以用中文 
你必须了解，呃，我很爱、很尊重中国跟中国人。呃，不好意思，再见。What an utter moron! That is the death knell of a very successful franchise that has overcome the death of one its of its main star. And it succeeded. Fast and Furious is dead. John Cena is a moron, an utter idiot. Wow, funny how、um, he can speak Mandarin. Look at that. Wow. John Cena apologized in Chinese on Cena Weibo after calling Taiwan a country during an interview promoting Fast and Furious Nine. I did many, many interviews for Fast and Furious. I made a mistake during one interview. He said, "I must say that it was very, very important that I love and respect China and Chinese people. I'm very, very sorry for my mistake. I apologize." <laughs> wow. Well, I'll tell you what, folks.、Uh, let's start a GoFundMe account for John Cena. We'll purchase his one-way flight to Beijing. We'll buy him a little red jumpsuit and a little red book, and he can go spend his days and enjoy his retirement in the People's Republic of China under the Communist Party, which has a president for life. President Xi will never face election. He is a state-authorized dictator. There you have. Wow, wow, John Cena. You're dead to the rest of us. Wow, what a pathetic, sad, sad existence these people have. Ladies and gentlemen, that those are the news headlines, and that is the news and analysis for today, the 26th of May, 2021. Thank you for your patronage here on Chris Wine Africa. We appreciate it. Spread the word. Let others know about the new channel.